But by the time you even get over to the West Coast, like the Beach Boys are kind of done with it already, and they're moving into more of the the Sergeant Pepper and Pet Boys, Pet, pet Sounds, <laughs> Pet Boys, <laughs> Pet Boys sound. And so you're always like a step behind, unless you're unless you're like there. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music, and well, that's pretty much it. So uh, let's go. This, this is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast. This is the greatest podcast you'll ever hear in your entire life because every week we take a different album from a different band and we dissect it. We get into the nitty gritty of it. We try to have a good time while we're doing it. And Jeff always mimics me because he thinks he's a funny guy, but he's really not. So yeah, my name is Tyler. We're out there hundreds of miles away. It's Jeff. Ah, I heard the bell that time. I wonder if anybody notices the bell. (laughs) Probably not until I've said something. That's why I really rushed that that last part. But anyway, yeah. So this is Asinine Radio. Go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Don't be a bocephus. Don't be an asshole. Don't give us a one-star review like that asshole did. Give us five stars. Leave us a, a glowing review, please, and thank you. But anyway, let's move on to... The, the episode <laughs> because we're getting into uh, a fine album from uh, a band called the police uh, we're getting into their album what is the name is fuck i when oh. it's in another language it's hard for me you did our countdown so in another for, language the, barely so we're, we're doing outlandos diamor that's what that's the album we're doing from the police how hard was but that before we do that what how hard was that wasn't hard why was that hard it was, was that hard very hard it was very difficult for me so we're doing that record, but before we do that, what we like to do is we like to take the band's records, we like to rank them from worst best to the best, and we also name our favorite song from each because we like to list things. That's what we do here on the pod. So Jeff, let's just jump right into it. Uh, they have five records, and we're going to go from least best to best, and what do you got for your least best record from the police? Get into it. So, yeah, their least best is an accurate descriptor because none of these are bad at all. They're all 2.0 or above. Okay. Easy peasy. But uh, least best, and this is one that I bought on vinyls just the most recently. After I already listened to it and I listened to it, I, I bought it. But uh, Synchronicity. Synchronicity? Synchronicity. Yeah, Synchronicity. This is... Um, Scrantonicity. <laughs> this is number five. <laughs> You remember that? Get the reference? Yeah, I'm watching so much of it right now. I just can't I can't put it down. <laughs> can't so stop. Good. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stand it. That's that's number five. This um this one's weird. So like this may be the band at their best and most technical, but mm-hmm. it just it's not it's not like it's not honest. It's not. It's, it's not honest and it's just mixing kind of like this childish innocence that a lot of the previous albums had. It's mm-hmm. it's almost like too good for itself. 
Well, this was also an album where they they recorded it separately from one another. They weren't really like they didn't like each other that much when they recorded this album. So everything was done apart from one another. Uh, that that makes sense, and because a lot of the things aren't. I mean, they 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 go together. The parts go together. Everything sounds great, but there's not there's not like an overall cohesion where you think these guys are just jamming. Yeah. And not that you need to have like a ton of jammy stuff on there, but there is some jammy stuff on here that now it's it's just like like again, it's like insincere. It's just I don't know. It's, at least, it's at least best. Um but every breath you take, I don't even care, man. I'm basic and you I like dig that song that much, huh? It's so fucking good. It is so damn good. And I didn't even know like this was a police song. What? And really? You thought it was Sting? Yeah, I thought it was just like him. There's a lot of things on here that I was like, oh, this is by the police. And then there were some not that sort of actually there were some songs on this entire listen through that I thought were sting songs, and then there were songs that I that I know that I didn't even know they were police or sting songs. I just, I just assumed that they were just songs out there for the taking. No idea. <laughs> but yeah, every every breath uh, you take is 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 uh, is my is my biggest banger from Synchronicity. Do you remember when when P Diddy sampled the song back in like '99? Did he? Yeah, he sampled the the song, and then uh, what's her name? She was really popular in the '90s and 2000s. Little Kim. Oh, what? No, no, way bigger than Little Kim. Oh, Fucking. No bigger than Lil she Kim. was with 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 Biggie. She. Um, oh my God! What is? You're it? still talking about Little Kim here. But she but she sings. She's not a rapper. She's a she's a singer. But anyway, but yeah, P P Diddy sampled the song, and then at the VMAs or Grammys, one of those two, uh, Sting played the song because he sampled the bass and everything and the hook and then but sting actually played it and then he rapped over it damn it was, it was awful it was awful but like and, for sting to come out and, and do something like that for you is i don't know you probably got paid a ton of money <laughs> i mean like yeah, come on. it was come like on. sting either like liked him as a person or yeah like there was like more money than we could ever imagine involved probably a lot of cash too a lot of under the table stuff <laughs> But yeah, no. So that and and I think that that song is considered like an awful song. Like people constantly oh, Puff talk Daddy's about version. It. Yeah, the Puff Daddy. Yeah, oh, okay. not 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 the police version. No. Okay. So synchronicity is your least best, huh? But right. I probably still I probably throw it at like a two point two. Everything is above a two point for you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Not even. I mean, that's not even close. That's not even like a, an argument. Okay. Well, my my least best is. Uh, is synchronicity as well. Fuck this yeah. is, I will say, my number five and four would probably be like a one point nine. Like I'll probably never ever go back to these the their two worst their two worst albums. So synchronicity is my least favorite. Uh, much like you, I think it's it's very kind of you could tell it's not as put together or cohesive is the best word as the previous records and. Reading more about it, they just like I said, reading more about it, they they didn't really like each other, and they recorded it separately, and it was just it was okay. Like it's very synth based, and it just didn't wasn't that exciting to me at all. I mean, Stuart Copeland's sound he was amazing on it, but outside of that, it just didn't really do much for me. But the one song I, I thought was really good was Synchronicity Two. That was a great song because it was like more of a th- more of like what they would used to do more of like jamming but it still sounded like almost like they were in a room together rather than pieced together 
separately. Almost but, like yeah, they're having fun. Yeah, almost like they're having fun. Exactly. Yeah. It just, but it was at the point too where this band was, they were like experimenting, not experimenting, but they were kind of going more toward like the '80s synth stuff and less reggae, less punk, and just slower, just slower tempoed songs in general. And just thought that one was a, was okay. They'll probably never go back to it. So I, that's my um, number five. I have this on vinyls and this is the album cover here is, is easily for me the most iconic or the most memorable. The mm-hmm. only one that if you showed me like taking all wordage out, this is the only one that if you showed me the cover, like, Oh yeah, that's the police. Yeah. This I is the only one. The other, the close, like a, a close second would be the ghost in the machine. But I don't think I would, I would pick peg that as the police cover. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So what do you got for number four? Number four, I kind of struggled with four and three. I don't know. I don't know. Kind of, they went back and forth a little bit. Um, okay. I own number four on the vinyls as well. Of course. It's actually, a, I think, a Taiwan import. But it's a Zenyatta Mondata. Okay. This is a solid. This was a solid album, and and I really liked it. And I think this had like the police polishing their punk sound while blending in kind of like their more refined sound that we'll hear in Synchronicity and and a little bit in Ghost in the Machine. It's it's a solid middle ground. It's just like it's the middle ground for their career and it's the middle ground for their sound, and it bridged kind of both eras. And it, yeah. like nothing about this was terrible, and there's a lot of good things about this, but there's almost just as much things that are just kind of okay. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, you see it. So what's your what's your favorite one on this one? Um, so man, man with the suitcase. I think that is a perfect police song. I just mm-hmm. want to throw it out there. I perfect perfect police song. A, a PPS is a perfect <laughs> police song, but my favorite song is the other the other way of stopping. <laughs> <laughs> Copeland runs away with this uh, one. Like he, I mean, we'll get into way more into him early on, but he is so tight and organized. But keeps fucking amazing drummer. Keeps like such a such a good groove. Keeps it so simple. Kiss baby, keep it simple, stupid. And that's what he does. Exactly. But he doesn't though, because Another office reference. <laughs> he keeps it simple to like the layman but then you kind of hear more of these transitions you hear more of these fills and you realize that like he's not really keeping it simple he's keeping it simple for the masses but he's keeping it even tighter and more complex for the police heads for the policemen and women out there yes (laughs) so zenyata mandata zenyata mandata there you go so number four and my number four is uh ghost in the machine this was um this was another one i was a little let down from it. This is another one. Probably give it a 1.9. I'll never go back to it. Uh, this is when you started to see them go into the more of the 80s synth sounds. And this album has a ton of flange on it, which was very typical of like the 80s sound, especially like rock music. And I just, I, I can't get behind it. But I will say my favorite police song is on this record. Oh. And I'm very basic for this, but it's everything she does is magic. I think that's their best song. Well, I love that song. That's stupid. That is not their best it's song so by good. like any, it is so any stretch, good. but okay. But th- this album was, was interesting too because, yeah, they, they started to get more into that, but then they also still were keeping that like punk style that they, they had been doing. A little less reggae, but it was still there here and there. But uh, also Omega Man, that, was, that one was really good because it, it, it kind of, it was probably the most punk song 
out of everything I heard was that on, one song. On this album or everything you've heard by the police? Just everything by the police. So Mega okay. Man was You know what? Just... Mm. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So this album, I'll, besides everything she does is magic and Omega Man, I just I wouldn't really go back to this record. They just have three better records. Oh. So that's the way she goes. So that's my number four, Ghost in the Machine. Mm. Okay. So what do you got from your number three? My number three is Ghost in the Machine. Okay, right. doesn't surprise me. I had Should this on, lower, but okay. I had this on the vinyls. This one went back and forth, like I said, from Zenyatta Mandata in this one. It was just, it was like neck and neck. And I think ultimately, I I kind of went with Ghost in the Machine higher because there was more jamming. There was, there's more just like grooviness on it than than Zenyatta. You think so? Yeah, I mean, they, it still had a lot of like reggae tones, and but it was everything was just kind of like slowed down and really leaned into that '80s sound. But it was mm-hmm. still there; like the, the the feeling was still there. Sting's voice was super high pitched at times, and and like to the point where we've only heard like blips of it. Mm-hmm. But here it was it was entire like songs that were like that. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, they they went back and forth. I love. I will for sure go back to both of these albums, and I'm going to. I, I I will probably throw in the police entire discography into my rotation, like monthly almost. Jesus, dude, Why, this really? uh, because this 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 week has been good. This week has been good. It's been it it has been good, but it's every been month? good. Yeah, it's only five albums, bro. I know. Well, that's true. I say that's that now, but maybe like every two months. <laughs> or every like year. No, for sure more than that. Mm-hmm. Um but okay. one one world, not three. This was uh <laughs> this was a great tune. Just just a good jam, dude. Copeland again was crazy tight, like as usual. And the band just really knows how to get into a groove and just let it ride, let it just go. Invisible Sun was great, kind of a darker police than we're than we've kind of like forgot that they can be. Yeah. So, you know, that's I don't know. Ghost of the Machine was good. Plus, the cover was really cool, and I was really stoked about it. And I got it for really cheap because the back was like torn a little bit. There you go. That's perfect. Dude, so, like, I'm the all, record I'm, sounds good. I'm all about like fucked up jackets that are super cheap because people like the aesthetics. It's kind of a shame, you know. Well, not for you, but and I did read. General. I mean, if for those of you out there, if if you're unfamiliar with the cover, it's. It's like digitized, like a clock, like a like, like a, an alarm like, clock, like a digital clock where it has like the numbers, but the three symbols represent each member of the band, and if you look at it, that bottom half of the three figures are all the same because that's their face, and the top half is what it would be like if they were if their hair was like digitized like that for the time. <laughs> it's like so Sting's neat. got like the spiky hair. It's really stupid, but apparently yeah. it's one of the most iconic fucking covers of all time. I I've, honestly have never seen it. I've seen this before. I just had no idea it was the police. Nor did I really oh, care, okay. to be honest. Yeah. Nor did I really I, care I about the fucking police until this week either, to be honest. That's weird, because this was your pick. Like You wanted to do the police, so I don't know where this came from. Because of this what? album. I got Ghost in the Machine first. Oh, okay. okay. And then I was like, this is not bad. This is pretty, this is pretty damn good. And then I bought a lot of records that, like not not a lot, but... A, a bulk buy of records that included Outlandos and Zenyatta. And after listening to those, I was like, wow, what the okay. fuck? Where have I been? What have I been doing with my life? So that was your number three, right? Yeah. Yes. 
So my number three is Zenyatta Mandata. Uh, this one, I, I enjoyed this one. What? So we're pretty damn close here. Yeah, we are. Mind you, they do only have five records. So, uh, But yeah, so this is my number three. This was, um, this was, it was a very groove-based record, I feel, and it didn't have a ton of the synths. That's why it's above Ghost in the Machine. It didn't have a lot of the 80s flair, which I appreciated. And uh, it was just a solid record through and through. There's some great punk stuff. There's some great uh, reggae stuff. But the one song that really stood out to me was Shadows in the Rain. I mean, this is just, it's super jammy. I think it's one of the longer songs on the record, if I'm not mistaken. It just kind of like takes you on this like this kind of slow ride. But damn, dude, every member shines in that song. So that, that's that's my number three is Zenyatta Mandata. This is the this is I'd probably give this one a two point two. So everything Ooh, here we're on out is higher. Yeah, we're getting higher now. So everything's above a two now. So so yeah, that's my number three. Okay. I think So what do you got? I think our top two are gonna be backwards. So my number two is awesome. is their second regatta, regatta de Blanc. Okay. This um this is this is cool because this isn't a punk album and they're not really a punk band, but dude, this was a fast paced album. And the only time it really let up was to kind of let in some really bizarre reggae slash new wave grooves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, why the fuck do they work so well? And I've, I've, I've also kind of realized, too, that the police paved the way for, for bands like Sublime to mix in two genres of music that shouldn't like even mix, I, I feel, in transitions, yeah. like thrash and reggae. Like, who, the f- who could possibly think that those two things would ever, would ever mix? <laughs> It's just yeah. I'm like these guys, these guys were the ones that did it. Very That's bizarre crazy. stuff. So weird. Yeah. Uh Walking on the Moon. This is this is a perfect example of of heavy reggae vibes with some new wave mixed in. It's just it's so strange and and Sting's vocals are just so out there and unique. It's such a banger. I just I don't know. This whole week I've just been super surprised at how how well everything works in this band. I'm with you. And like irritates me. Because they're because they're that good. Yeah, because they're that good, and and all of their hits. I mean, all their hits are good, and they will talk about yeah. arguably like their biggest hit of all time. But like, I don't know, man. I I always thought they were like one trick ponies per album, you know. <laughs> but that's definitely not the case. No, not at all. So yeah, yeah, that's that's number two for me is their second album, Regatta de Blanc. Okay. Well, my number two is uh, is actually our album of the week. Yeah. So Atlandos Diamor. That's so, right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Basic busy. That's fine though. <laughs> <laughs> so that means your number one is is that as well. Yeah, Outlandos Diamor. So my number one is Regatta de Blanc. My favorite song off this one is Contact, and I I think that you know what you said you said you think this record is more punk sounding. I felt like there was fast. more jamming. Faster. But the, it was faster, but it was more jam based than the first record. And that's kind of what I liked more about it was that there was there was less vocals, it was more instrumental stuff, and and that's what I like. That's why I like Contact so much because it was more of that. But overall, this record is fucking great. I thought it was a fantastic record. Definitely a step up from from the first one. What would you what, sure. what would you give this record? Uh, Regatta, I'd give it. I'd probably give it like a two point eight. Damn, so no matter what, yeah. their first album will not be a 2.8. No, it's not going to be a 2.8. But it'll Throw be a 2.2 between a 2.8. Exactly. 
I thought I thought Regatta was fantastic. Like I would I would buy I'm gonna I would like to buy this record and yeah it's it's fantastic. That's the only so one I don't on have that. on the vinyls. All right, so we just ranked all of the police records. So now we're just gonna hop right into their to the record that we're doing for the album of the week. And what are we doing this week, Jeff? <laughs> Uh, Outlandos D'Amour. Police formed in 1977 in London, England, by Sting on bass and vocals, Henry Padovani on guitar, and Stuart Copeland on drums. During their short career, they put out five full-length records, two live albums, and have sold well over 100 million albums worldwide. <laughs> but the album we're doing today is Outlandos D'Amour. It's the band's first album, and it was released November 2nd, 1978. It features Sting on bass and vocals. Uh, Andy Summers on guitar and Stuart Copeland on drums. And this record has sold many, many millions worldwide. And goddamn, that is pretty fucking impressive. A hundred million records. Billions and billions and billions and billions. They just don't seem like a band that would have sold that many records. Like, they're good. They're very good. But they're not... To me, they're not iconic. Like Zeppelin or Sabbath or Van Halen or the Beatles or shit like that, you know, like that's a lot of fucking records. They're not, they're not iconic like that because they've been shoved down our gullets the way that everybody else has. But yeah, they are iconic. Yes. Their music is iconic. It's just, it's not commercialized the way the Beatles or Zeppelin or Sabbath is. True. Yeah, that's true. But damn, they're better than the Beatles. Hands down. Easy. (laughs) You kidding me? Fucking, are you joking my ass right now? Are you joking my ass? Come on, dude. The Rubber Soul by oh, itself fuck. is better than that's everything. That's it. That's it. Every fucking time. Everything rubber stinging, Soul. Then everything. Yada yada yada. Rubber fucking Soul. I mean, you know, I'm tired of hearing Rubber fucking Soul. <laughs> my collection has none, and it will never have any Beatles in my vinyl collection. That I mean, that's Fact. truly, that's truly like awful. 
because that record is so amazing, so yeah. unbelievably amazing. Degaf. To not have it in your collection is just wrong. Mm-mm. That's the way she goes, boys. I just uh, I don't I don't I don't submit to the mass consumerism, the machine that is now the Beatles. But you 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 <laughs> like many other things that are wildly popular. So what's that's, just, that, that's a bad excuse. That's a bad them. excuse. Gotta start somewhere, yeah, kid. Gotta start somewhere. <laughs> so you start with the Beatles. Yes. Fucking stupid. <laughs> the Beatles are fucking stupid. Done with them. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's. I guess let's get into our history with with the police. Yeah. What um, you got? The, the police for me have always been the band that Sting was in before he was Sting. Because after the police, I mean, Sting had arguably an even more successful career but True. nothing as 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 like iconic or as mainstay as he did it with the police and it's weird and again that's another another you know notch that say that things are are forced down our throat so much like sting's music and i didn't listen to any sting albums this week because i didn't want to but what what i'm wondering is like what song was what sting song was more popular than a police song none Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. I, I thought you were trying to none. make a point. Like, no, no, none, none sting songs were more popular. None, sting songs. none. and so that's <laughs> what that's what's so weird, though. It's and I don't know. It's Sting by himself is more popular than the Police. Yeah, it's. I think it's because the name. It's really the name. It's not his fucking name. I know, but it's his nickname. Stupid asshole. What's his Gordon Summers' his name? <laughs> Boring. What a, I know it's like what a basic fucking name. Jesus Gordon Summers. Like who cares, dude? But yeah, it's so yeah. The, the Police have always been the band that Sting was in before he was Sting, and the Police were always the band that did Roxanne. And Roxanne, I've heard since I was a kid. I know that song. Like I, that's it. That's the mainstay for the Police for me. And then like Guitar Hero kind of came out, and mm. they threw the message in a bottle. It's like, oh, that's by the same band that also does Roxanne. That's cool. That's a cool like sound that they have. I dig that. But it never like occurred to me that like, dude, this was this was like in the seventies. Nobody sounded like this, and for a long time after, nobody still sounded like this. And my favorite guitarist of all time, and the best guitarist of all time, sounds like this, and he's like the only one. And so maybe I. It's just weird that. It's weird to me that Bradley Knoll, who I love so much, who can also blend two genres together the way the police did. I never went back and listened to the police, so I'm a little embarrassed about that. Um, but this week has been great, man. This week has been has been eye opening to say to say the least. I've had yeah. such a blast this week, and I've only listened to Synchronicity and Zenyatta Mandata. Actually, I listened to Synchronicity once the, the day I bought it, and then Zenyatta Mandata mm. listened a couple times. And then Ghost of the Machine listened to three times, but Outlandos and Regatta I've listened to each probably eight times. Damn. Like just on vinyls too. I've not <gasps> touched I've I did not touch Outlandos one time on Spotify. Strictly oh, vinyls. Shit. Strictly vinyls. And it's dude, it's been a ride. That's impressive. I, I I don't know. I'm just I'm blown away. I don't know if I'm blown away because the music is so good or if I'm blown away because for so long I thought their music was okay. And then now it's just, it's better than okay. So I'm still kind of in that like honeymoon phase here, I guess. I don't know. But I mean, but Roxanne, dude, Roxanne's so good. That is a fucking banger of a song. I don't care how popular it is. The entire world likes Roxanne. 
yeah, I've never met. I don't think I would ever meet a person who said they didn't like that song or had some sort of like good memory with that song. It's too groovy. It's too good. Way too groovy. So yeah, that's my, I guess groovy. my, my I, I, I have no idea the first time I ever heard The Police. I know for a fact it was Roxanne that I remember, I guess, at least I should say. But I've yeah. no, my mom never listened to The Police. Didn't, growing up, never listened to The Police. Nobody at a camp listened to The Police. So I'm a product of my environment, man. Missed out yeah. in 32 no, I, years. Oh, 30, 33, 33 years. 33 years. Are we 32 Almost or 33? There. We're 33. Are you sure? Well, yeah, we're old fucks. Yeah. Positive. Go on. I'm going to get my calculator out. <laughs> okay, so my, yeah, my first impressions, my, uh, my backstory on the police, uh, m- even more than you, like, I did, I, dude, I knew, I knew Stuart Copeland. I knew him first. No, fuck. I knew Stuart, I knew the name Stuart Copeland because I've always heard he's an amazing drummer. But the first, outside of like the big police hits, I knew him a lot from Oysterhead, which is the super group with Les Claypool and then one of the guys from Fish. So I got, I got into Oysterhead back in like late high school, right after high school. And they're pretty damn cool. So that's like how I really knew Stuart Copeland. And then that was it. And then Sting, I knew Desert Rose, that song, because that song fucking was huge in the late, like 1998, 1999. And then a few of the, the police songs. Like I, like you, probably the only police song I really knew was Roxanne up until maybe a few years ago. And, or like message in the bottle, like you said, that guitar hero, I remember hearing that around that time. But then like, I don't know, just, I never really got into them. My, like you, my (laughs) parents weren't into them. I just, they were just never really on my radar. Like if anybody was, it was, it was Sting and Stuart Copeland, but for two very different reasons but there's no so, reason for the police never like, like the, the, there's no reason that we never got into the police yeah zero reason it just makes no sense it's very especially knowing who they are and like how good they are like how good they are individually like we never we never tried to listen to the police super strange super fucking strange and then like Stuart, to me Stuart copeland is the the highlight of this band like he is the band for me at least and i don't know i'm gonna say something con- should i say the controversial thing right now you should already, say you already just said it but go ahead yes well i was gonna more say controversial than that the worst oh yes, god here we go the, the worst, worst part, part of this band all right mr the worst part of this band there we go the worst part of this band is sting's vocals that is the worst part of this band Followed closely by Andy Andy Summers' guitar playing, but the rhythm section, probably one of the best rhythm sections I've ever heard. Probably one of the best. But Sting's vocals are just sometimes they're they're rough. They're rough, man. Like they would be a truly amazing instrumental band. Obviously, they'd never be as popular, but damn, they'd be a good instrumental band. Okay. I would buy these records, or I'd oh, buy the God, first three records. Uh, okay, all right. If they had instrumental versions. Get down, get down, get down. But you know it's true. All right, so let's um let's just jump into this real quick. Do we have any stinkers on this record? No, there are no stinkers. Zero stinkers. Zero stinkers. Okay. So there's one song on here. No, oh, it's not a stinker, God, but it's close. It's an okay. It's okay at best. And I'm just gonna say right now, it's born in the fifties. Okay. 
That song is okay at best. Like it's really riding that line right there. Yeah, I'm okay with to that. To be in a stinker. So I don't even really want to talk about that song. I think that song's I just don't unless you really want to. No. I don't care. I have I have I have a couple of okay songs and okay. and Born in the Fifties is one of them. I really don't like his vocals in that one. That's the only time I don't like Sting's vocals. It's almost it's, like he was sounded like Bruce Springsteen or something. It was He was trying too hard. This just wasn't good. Yeah, he in that song he was also trying to like scream in it or yell in it. It it came off so insincere and the melody sucked. I don't know. I just I didn't I didn't eh. care for it. Yeah. Easily the worst song on the record. Yeah, I would I would definitely go with worst song on the record. Okay. So that leads us to our bangers, our B, our BBs, our biggest bangers. So what do you what do you got for your number one? Unless you want to get into Roxanne first because we already played it. Um, Roxanne's my third my third banger, my three B, my B three. That's my fee, my it's my four B. Okay, my fourth banger. Okay, Roxanne so, is solid. Um, you actually stopped the music at my favorite line, and I don't know why, but this this line has always just like stood out to me. He says, "I know my mind is made up, so put away your makeup." And the way he mm. sings it, and and Sting is really good about about utilizing his vocals as an instrument rather than just like delivery for a tune, and he does it yeah. a lot. And he fluctuates his voice, and there's a lot of different things that he does that I absolutely love. And that line in particular is just I I, I love it. I love how campy and and honest and pathetic and also kind of selfish it is. I think it's so good. And that's another thing too. I never even would dream that the police would be. Especially Sting's lyrics. I never thought that they would be like deeper than than any any just I don't know scratching the surface type of thing. But some of these songs are mm-hmm. way deep. I think a few of them are pretty damn deep and ru- and like kind of dark. But overall, overall his lyrics are kind of just there. They're not nothing to really talk about too much. You know that is that is false. Like Roxanne, dude. The song is about him like falling in love with a prostitute but yeah what what is kind of unique about this song is is i mean for one it's not like about like sex or anything it's about the actual love but looking back on it maybe you know back when it was written it was seen as as like an honorable thing for a man to pull a woman out of prostitution but now it's kind of like selfish because the yeah. song doesn't really talk about like what Roxanne wants, or even if she's happy in the in the life, he's just thinking about his own feelings and wanting to do this for him because mm-hmm. this is what he thinks is best for her. So I think that's kind of cool, and I really dig that. So, yeah. So my, some might say it hasn't aged well, in in woke culture, it hasn't aged well. But I don't know if that's if it's actually aged even better because of the ambiguity of the lyrics. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe because he has some things in here that, especially like some of his writing techniques, are just fucking through the roof. <laughs> through the roof. What I what I love about Roxanne too. I mean, I I think it's one of the greatest melodies that they ever wrote, or that Sting ever wrote. Because Sting really is the main songwriter in this band. He always was. So, but but what I've always really liked in this song is the um, is Copeland's drumming leading into the the chorus when he's hitting the toms with that do 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 and then he hits the 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 snare and hi hat that yes gets, and then it's, it just goes into it dude it's those like, small transitions dude it's so he's like he's the fucking master of that he's stupid good it's it's, it's insane like it's 
these little things like that that just add so much character to these songs. Like normally a drummer would just continue with that the the tom hitting and then it would just like blast off into the into the chorus. But just that little snare hi hat hit, it's so quirky. It's so weird. But fuck man, it sounds so good. I fucking love it. It's this it's 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 his last minute like pause that he mm. does and it just did it slays and he does it a lot. And like I said earlier, where like it's, he's seemingly just playing basic shit because his music is fairly basic. It's just very groovy. It's very, very calm. And so when he's playing his, his, his parts, you got to like really listen for the transitions. The transitions are great. And then he throws in these little fills, but even the fills are fine and okay. They're not great fills, but it's a transition out of the fills that are Mm -hmm. important. Much like, like you just said that, that like Tom and, and snare hit that do, 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 do. And then the, like this, dude, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. It's so weird. It's so like anti what any drummer would, would think about doing or any songwriter would think about doing like to end to, to transition like that is insane to me. But then, and then also the, the harms, the harms in the chorus, Uh, vocally it's the best part of the record. That's my favorite part. Not the, the record, harms, but right. that's my favorite part of the song for sure. It's just, it's really emphasizing that, not only that point, that feeling that Sting's trying to convey, but damn, dude, just, did he even harms like that? Like, that's... Yeah, they and I feel like this is the only time on this record where they really, they really throw out the harms like that. Like, there's not a song on this record that sounds like Roxanne. It's truly unique in itself. Because we're, we're on the subject of this song, when... When they when they went to go record this this album, they were they were not signed. They actually borrowed fifteen hundred pounds from Stewart's brother Nigel. What's his name? I don't remember. His I think name. it's Nigel. Is it Nigel? Seems like a common English name. So right. no, but Stuart Copeland's American. He's not English. Wow. Oh. He's the only one who's not who's who's American. But but yeah, so so they borrowed fifteen hundred pounds to record this album. And they like the, nobody was like they started recording. They didn't really nobody really like paid much attention to him. And then they recorded Roxanne, and the brother and Stewart's brother heard oh, the song, right. and he was he was blown away by it. So he got in contact with A uh, and M Records, and said, you know, you got to sign them this and that. And then they signed to A and M, and then really the rest is history. Right. So, so like like just on that story too, even his brother didn't believe in them though. Because he would show up during rehearsals and recording and, and think like, oh, this is, this is fine. Because no one, no one did, like, did this style of music before. No one blended these two genres together so yeah. flawlessly. And when he's hearing it, he, he laughed at it. He thought it was silly. But then yeah. he heard Roxanne and, and just he was blown away. And that's, that's how they got the, the contract. But then also, I think that the guy who lent him the recording studio never even got paid until like years after. Yeah, Because they had no too. money. Yeah, because they went, they went over budget. Or they went over the fifteen hundred dollars, so so he let them keep he let them continue to record, and then the brother, I guess, was the one in debt. So the brother eventually paid back the studio a couple of years later. Dude, just imagine Fucking being weird. the guy that took a chance on the police, right? I know, right? <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit, nuts. dude! It's fucking crazy to even think about that. Man, and, if v, if VH one was still around and doing cool things, they should do like. Things that like 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 Marvel's What If, 
that would be cool for VH1 to do something like that. <laughs> what if this guy didn't let the police do their thing? How could this affect history? How could this affect music yeah. history? That's very true. Whew. And another thing, another thing I, I thought was was super interesting, and and Sting and and Stewart have talked about this on many occasions, is that like they wanted to make a punk band, but they knew that they were too good to be a punk band, <laughs> and they didn't have enough street cred to be a punk band. But they just wanted that that mentality, so that's what they did. So like the punkers hated him because they were way too good at their instruments, and they'll, they'll, they've said that in interviews. Like, oh, we were way too good for punk rock music, but we just loved it. So that's what we did, and we spiked our hair. And oh yeah, th- they're such a weird fucking band, dude. And then they took like the, I don't know if they they, I, you can almost say like they kind of ripped off the Clash when it comes to like the reggae kind of stuff, but. They did it better than The Clash. I mean, I don't I don't know too much about The Clash, but the one album that I do have and the one when we kind of did like um, the first Ramones record, the first Clash record against the first whatever, the Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols? And then, the only Sex Pistols. Yeah, record. and The Clash did do like a, a kind of a cover reggae song. They killed it. It was good. But... Yeah. Dude, some of the... Some of like the, the fast stuff on the police records. And again, I've only listened to the first Clash it holds up just as well. Like they yeah. are just as fast. They are just as punk as, as the clash ever was. Yeah, I agree with you. They were just more refined. That's what it was. Like what, what I thought, what I thought was really interesting about this listen through was that how little distortion and how little gain Andy Summers has on his guitar. Like there's a lot of clean guitar playing. And obviously like in the later stuff, there's more flange and like just different effects. But when it comes to like distortion, he doesn't use a lot of it at all, at all. And that's very different from obviously a lot of punk, which is really overdriven. And I don't know. It's they, they, they just did something totally weird and totally different, but it, it worked out for him, obviously. So, I mean, I, I, there, I have like so much notes on Roxanne cause it's such a good song and it, I know it's popular, but I don't even care because it's, I, it's I love good. it so much. I love Roxanne. It's so good. I love mm-hmm. how lazy the song is. The music kind of veers off at points and you sing Sting's vocals just kind of ring out on some notes. Then mm-hmm. it finds itself like immediately and jumps right back into like the chorus. And then again, like Sting uses his voice so well. Like I was talking about earlier, it's an instrument and he takes full advantage of his own range and the quirkiness that he clearly loves. And there's so many times in this album where he just, like, he'll yell at times, and it's so shitty, and it's so bad. But, <laughs> but that's it. it. Adds to it's, the charm. Yeah. It's so lovable. Like, like these guys, I don't, oh, dude, I don't know if they were too go too good for their, their own good, or if they knew what they were doing. But damn, man, like they made a fucking killer album. Yeah, they they really did. And what a, what a debut record! Like people talk about how like, Appetite for Destruction is like the greatest debut record of all time it's like no dude like objectively this this record is better i mean appetite is much better than i than we originally thought when we did the album on the pod but but i would never put it like this this one yeah like like if you look at it objectively that this album is by far better i just i again i i think that i don't know maybe management issues with the police throughout their career they didn't have like a good publicist and so they never got like that recognition and a lot of their albums too kind of got shit on when they first came out and and later on now that i look even closer you know type of thing i what i was thinking 
I wrote this down too. Like what I was thinking, their image wasn't as marketable as say Guns N' Roses were because they were considered like the bad boys of rock and roll, like the new rock and roll coming in. So and like you know they all had their own look, like Slash with his hat and the cigarette, the long hair, the Les Paul, and then Axel being Axel, and like every member of Guns N' Roses had their own personality, their own look. The police didn't have anything like that. Sting looked so good in the seventies. He was like, he was he he was doing like the Billy Idol thing before Billy Idol did it. Yeah, but he wasn't like, but he didn't. But that, but that's the difference, you know. Like he looked like Billy Idol, but Billy Idol relied on the image. That's true. And the sex appeal. Yeah, Billy Idol was more than just like a face. It was it was his lifestyle. It was his personality. Yeah, was very big. But I feel like with the police, they were all just like dudes who love to play music and jazz music and like they're dorks, you know, they're, they're not, they weren't necessarily about the image. Like a lot of the iconic bands, Led Zeppelin too, every, every person in Led Zeppelin has their, is their own character. ACDC is a, another great example of that. But the police never had that. They yeah, never true. had anything close to that. Like, and especially when you look at Andy Summers. He's the guitar player. He's the one who should have the most character, oh, dude, he's but he's like, the most forgettable one. Yeah, he's so boring. He's the most forgettable. It's, that's that's interesting so because I think that's why because all of the big bands that we know of, they're each like their own entity. They're each their own corporation, and I yeah. wonder if that like that's management, right? Like all these bands oh, hire a manager, and they say, okay, you need to do more of this because because Jimmy Page, you're a really good guitarist, so you need to also be like a bigger than, than, than Jesus type of mentality. And, and Ringo, yeah. you're good at this. Well, he's good at nothing, but that was a bad example. Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah. McCartney, Lennon, and, and Harrison too. Cause Harrison had the whole, the whole Indian vibe, the, the, and all that, you know, with Ravi Shankar. So like that was his kind of identity within the band. Lennon had the peace and love. And then McCartney was like the relatable guy. He was the guy that, that everybody liked. Everybody liked McCartney. He w- he wasn't polarizing, but he also wasn't boring because you knew he was talented. God Ringo man. was just boring. Whoever, whoever the whoever the police hired as their manager in the early days really fucked up. <laughs> really fucked up. I honestly, I think that's why they. I mean, yeah, they're wildly successful, obviously, because they sold so many records. But they're not. They're not as legendary as like all the bands we just mentioned. Yeah. So. It's weird. Super it's weird. a shame. Yeah. It's a shame. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So should we move on from Roxanne? Get into yeah. actually our, our BBs? Because we haven't even got into our BBs yet. We have not even got into our BBs yet. Just Roxanne. Okay, so what, what's, your, what's your biggest banger? My biggest banger is So Lonely. Okay. That, okay. I can see that. I can see that. Is that, is that did that not make your, your, your B list? Your no, maybe list? I, it may it, it's actually my, my 2B. That's my okay. 2B. All right. Yeah. So yeah, what, what, what do you got on So Lonely? It was, um, okay, so so Next to You I think is okay. That's, that's my other okay song. Mm-hmm. And so after, once So Lonely came on, um, I was just like, whoa, what a, what a different direction already in the second song com- compared to Next to You. And like what I really love about this band is how how minimal guitars can like really change a song and how minimal, how minimalistic Andy Summers is and his playing. Mm-hmm. It's just, he barely does anything sometimes, but at yeah. the same time he does everything. And so I also think that sting is a pretty badass bass player. He's not like fucking, oh, he's, no, he's pretty good. He's not like top fucking 10 of all time, but 
No less Claypool. Like, holy shit, dude. Jeff the guy, I, I, I thought he was like a Mark Hoppus on the base. I thought he was just there <laughs> to hold a groove kind of. Like a fat Mike style, yeah. just maybe not maybe good, but not great. But dude, he's fucking great. He's absolutely unbelievable, and so lonely has solid reggae vibes. And I think that's what really got me is, is when I got these albums on the second batch lot, and I put this one on. I I heard mm-hmm. next to you, and then I was like, okay, that's that's okay. And then so lonely came on. That that's the first one that really like blew my mind, and I love the first time sting says the word so lonely to kick off the first chorus mm-hmm. it's kind of like offbeat a little bit and it's rushed and then the first chorus comes in and it's dude that's oh my god this is such a killer chorus such such a sick fucking bass line yeah it is it really is you know actually i'm sorry i hate deviating right now but we forgot to mention in roxanne the fuck up at the beginning oh yeah song. no we can go back With- i got dude we do whatever so, you so want. Just, your pod. So just real quick, on Roxanne, I never noticed this until this week when I read about it. Neither but did I. at the at the very beginning of the song, you hear this like just like the synth sound, and then you hear somebody laughing. And I never ever noticed it. But the backstory behind that is that when they were tracking the song, Sting had ac- accidentally sat on the keyboard, and that's what it was. And it was him jumping up and then laughing at the mistake, and then they just left it in in the mix. You know how I, I how I it. how I realized that it was even there was unlike the Wikipedia entry, it says that Sting plays the butt piano. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is a butt piano? That's something I never heard of. And so I mean there's so many different kinds of fucking pianos. It could have been anything. Yeah. So I clicked on it and then it just went to like some random like piano link. I was like, what the hell? And then I'm I'm, I'm like Googling butt piano, right? <laughs> <laughs> And if you if you Google butt piano, like it's it's what you think. It's people like sitting on piano keys. <laughs> so I'm like racking my brain trying to figure out what the fuck a butt piano is. <laughs> so finally, I came across the story of of what happened, and I listened to the song yeah. again. And he laughs. I'm like, oh, that's not an instrument. They're just kind of like making fun of that fact. That's yeah. You got me. Okay, like it, it's so authentic. I love it. I thought it's so cool. And the laugh so that he cool. gives too is is. It's a good laugh. It sounds like, like it, he legit it's thinks it's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like a hearty laugh. It's it's like like it's it's just so silly. It's so dumb. Uh, I, I, it's, I, it's so again, cool. I don't I don't even understand like why they would even think to keep it in because the song is not a funny song. The song is not a lighthearted song. Maybe to break up I mean, some of the, the the tension. I guess I don't know. Maybe or they they just like to like like maybe they're just like a bunch of silly people. Like they they just. They like goof. Maybe they just like goof around a lot. And so weird. I don't know. It, it's very bizarre, but it's such a, like a dumb story. But in, like like you said, in the context of it all, in the context of the seriousness of this record and the band in general, it's it's good. It makes it makes it gives it more like life. Gives the song, gives this album more life. Yeah, you know, more yeah. of a personality, I guess you could say. Yeah. But anyway. Back to So Lonely. I'm yeah, back sorry. to So Lonely, dude. Right, but, yeah. uh, Stuart Copeland has some like phenomenal percussive parts. Great fills, great transitions. Some of the stuff he does here reminds me, I mean, I, obviously it's backwards, but it reminds me of like stuff Bud Gog did from Sublime mm-hmm. and some of the transitions he would use. And that's that's when I really kind of like made the connection. of, And also the, the I thought, like, why the fuck have I never gotten to the police if this sound I love so much? 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. But dude, the solo there too is fun, mostly because like it changes with the tempo and leads to a great faster part in the end. Yeah, I I feel like his his uh, Andy's guitar solos on this entire record are pretty subtle and they're they're kind of buried in the mix. Have you noticed that? Like they're never up front. Normally, guitar solos are like sh- not shredding necessarily, but they're always like in the mix. They're up right there in the front. They're like they're hitting you right in the face. But not not Andy's solos. They're they're just kind of like they're noodling sometimes, but they're they're just there. They're the leading they're into great. like the reggae stuff. They 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 want the guitars to be the rhythm at most, and yeah, that's it. That and that's what I'm saying. Like this this band, especially on the first two records. Dude, it's all for me. It's all the rhythm section. The rhythm section is just—it's so good. Sting, Sting's bass playing with Stewart's drumming is—it's unbelievable. It's so fucking good. And speaking of so lonely, what what I thought like sequencing wise on this record, I thought the first three songs were really interesting because the because next to you, it's a good song. But it's not, it's very, um, it's very reminiscent of kind of like old rock and roll. It has, it's very like, it's very basic in the context of the rest of the record. It's very verse chorus. Like we're going to do this. We're not going to slow down. We're not going to, we're just going to do the same pacing through the whole, the whole song. There's even the slide guitar in there, which is cool, (laughs) but it's still like very old school rock and roll. Yeah. And even, even the lyrics are just like, it's just about him being in love and wanting to spend time with the girl. You know, it's just. There's nothing very deep about it, so Blah. I feel like the, I feel like this the first song catches people's attention, like who don't really, who don't really, f- who go into this record thinking they they just want like normal rock and roll, they want normal or just like run of the mill music, and then the second song comes in, and this is when you see the 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 song structures change, and you see the the tempo changes, which I think is like one of the best parts about this band is the tempo changes between the verses and the choruses. And then, so you have that, like really, it really happens in So Lonely. And then Roxanne kind of like blends those two together. Roxanne still has that, that kind of like almost basic, uh, like time signature stuff, but it's still a little wonky and weird. Like, I don't know, this this record was sequenced really well. Like yeah. it, it, it has a little bit of, little bit, little bit of stuff for everyone here, like was- leading into the first three songs. It was also sequenced well because you know it's a damn good record. So, mm-hmm. no matter what, mm-hmm. almost all these songs you're gonna love. Uh, most of them, yeah. Yes, no, you so, love all of them. You're just being a butthole about it, but I that's don't love fine. All of them. Limbeck did a, a, a cover of this song too. So lonely. Wait, what? Who did? L- Limbeck. Did they really? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Did they ever record it, or was it yeah. just maybe yeah, we'll they recorded it. it? I don't know. Well, anyway, here's the uh, here's the police version of. Uh, so lonely. <laughs> Their own song. <laughs> Their own song.
There you go. That's a little bit of So Lonely from The Police. So good. That's fucking fantastic. Um, I did want to mention, too, like the drummer Josh Freeze. We've, we talked about him. We talk about him so much on this dumb podcast. <laughs> but damn, dude, he like clear. Like I didn't really I didn't know until this week when I listened to the police, like how much of his style is influenced by Stuart Copeland. It's fucking nuts. Like the fact that like Copeland doesn't use a lot of symbols, like he uses the ride, the hi-hat and like one crash. Like that's all he ever uses. Like, yeah. He, that's it. And then like he'll do some like toms here and there for like quick little fills, but it's mostly just like the snare and then like maybe the hi-hat and the ride. Like that's it. And that's how Josh Freeze plays too. He's very minimalistic, which is when you have a really good groove, like it could sound way better than using a fucking giant kit. And I don't know. It just Josh Freeze takes so much from Copeland. It's crazy. I, I was kind of blown away by that. And it makes sense, too, because uh, Josh Freeze has been playing with Sting's band since, like, 2005 or 2006. So he's been with his band for a long fucking time. And I think that's really cool, too. I don't know. I just... So good. Just all these weird connections and, and like, hearing the whole story, like, because I listened to this podcast where Josh Freeze was on it, like, maybe a couple months ago. And he was talking about how he got the gig with Sting and it was just so interesting how they like connected on on a non-musical level. And now hearing like Stuart Copeland playing, like it was like almost like a match made in heaven because it's like he not only they, they connected non-musically, but then they're like his drumming is so much like Copeland, it's it's fucking nuts. It's so weird. It's so fucking weird. Which Damn, is man. actually kind of funny too, because if, if Sting recognized that or Maybe subconscious, like Sting thought. You know, there's something about this guy's drumming I like. I don't know what it is, but I like it. It's like so bizarre, man. Dude, Especially just, considering where he comes from. If you're just trying to like replace you know? your other drummer, that's, that's <laughs> I <kinda> know. Lame. <laughs> and then, and, and then when when you look at where Josh Freeze was at the time, he was best known for being the drummer for the Vandals, for being the drummer for Devo, and being the drummer for A Perfect Circle. Three wildly different bands. And three bands that sound nothing like the police. Well, it's this, I so mean, fucking I, weird. almost all three of them have had not been for the police. Arguably, they may not even exist. I don't know, Devo, but Devo kind of del- delved into that punk new wave sound. Yeah, but I think they they were before Devo. Was, I think Devo was before the police. But also, Devo weren't as like technically proficient as the police. I don't know. Anyway, too good. So so lonely is a fucking banger. So lonely, banger. it's my biggest banger. It's my BB. Your BB. That's my two B. So I guess we could just jump into my 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 BB. Yes. What the fuck is your biggest banger? Peanuts. Peanuts. Peanuts, man. It's my six. I, I. It's a fast song. It's almost like, almost like a traditional punk song, but because they're so good at what they do, it it doesn't come off as that. It's just. It's fucking great. And Sting, his, he has like some squirrely bass lines that he plays. And oh, I love it. And then the guitar solo, the <laughs> fucking guitar solo. It's so gritty and so messy. It's, he, doesn't, he's, he doesn't have any sort of tone that sounds like this on the rest of the record. It's just, it's so not Andy Summers on this record or even in this band at all. It's just, it's awesome. 
I loved it. It was so great. And then the breakdown with, I think it's a saxophone. I don't know what it was, but it's some, I think it was a saxophone. But there, there's some really cool parts on the, in this song. And damn it. It's this, so good. This was my favorite, not my favorite vocal performance, but this was my favorite mm-hmm. like written thing that Sting did on this album. Like I love, I love his writing in this one because musically, right? Not not, not lyrically. No, like not, not lyrically, but just structurally. So okay. let me let me let me let me expand on that. The right. the verse the, the verses rhyme the last words, right? So mm-hmm. you have you have the last words. There's four lines for the first verse. The last word are rhyming, normal stuff. That's great. Yeah. And then the chorus and pre-chorus are more anaphoric in delivery, Meaning such what? as that. Remember, in like over the hills and far away, when Robert Plant mm-hmm. continues says many times, many times, and many times, many times, been bitten, many times, constantly yeah. saying the same thing to start, but like things don't have to rhyme after that as long as you're using that repetition of the same word. Oh, at and the beginning, yeah. At the beginning, so the chorus and the pre-chorus do that, but the pre-chorus only does that but doesn't rhyme the last words because you can't, words can't really rhyme with themselves. That's inherently not possible. Yeah. Which builds to the chorus and the chorus uses both techniques, uses the, the, the anaphoric, right. Or not rhyming, but repetition of the same thing in the beginning and then rhyming the last words together. It's dude, it's fucking unbelievable. Holy shit. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. That's fucking crazy. Like without even just like looking at the words, like you can just pick apart these little things like this and then see, I don't know, man, just see like where lyrics and and poetry kind of starts and like, we're still kind of getting into the whole lyric thing, you know? Yeah. So like, I don't know, seeing these, these types of things is always cool, but seeing them all in one song is just, it's fucking mind blowing. Yeah. Damn, that is really that's a great catch. I I didn't catch it until I was reading the lyrics. I was like, wait, he's like, I've seen this, and then I had to look up that word again, anaphoria, because I couldn't remember what it was. I dude, this is like the fourth time I've said on the pod, (laughs) no joke. But I I also forget it every single time because who the fuck? I never even fucking heard that word. Yeah, I never. But yeah, this this is my favorite. My favorite. My favorite thing that he wrote, not like content wise, just purely structure. Damn, that's rad. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even catch that. Love it. But dude, the song is a fucking banger. This is this Absolute is banger. This is probably the best example of kind of what I was talking about early earlier, where the guitar and the drums are different. And mm-hmm. and this one, it's like they're kind of playing off 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 the different part of the beat than each other. Mm-hmm. Where one is going fast, but the guitar is slow. Dude, the guitar is slow. It's, it does not, it doesn't really match with like the drums or the bass line. It's kind of doing its own thing, yeah. but still staying within the beat, within the tempo. And I don't know, man. It's just it, like the speed ups in the end. I just, I, I love that Sting mm-hmm. Copeland just go after it. And then still, Andy Summers, he just plays it cool with slower chords. They just like, hey, let's all speed up at this part. And they agree. But then Summers just slows down and like, whoa, that was cool, dude. Keep that. Yeah. You know, like we we were talking about like this dynamic between the three of them. It's very, it's also reminds me a lot of Primus, you know, because like Les Claypool and Sting have this like high vocal range, 
that's almost annoying. And then <laughs> their bass plan is really good. And then well, the rhythm section of Primus is absolutely amazing. The rhythm section in The Police is absolutely amazing. And then Lur from Primus, great guitar player. Andy Summers, great guitar player. But they're just there to to kind of accent everybody else. They're, they're there to just throw in little nuances and things here and there. And it's weird how closely these two bands are to one another. And then the fact that Les Claypool has a band with Stuart Copeland. It's so weird how, how shit happens like that. It's so weird. I just wanted to bring that up, but I don't make sense. Also, I've, I've never, I never really got into Jane's addiction. I never mm-hmm. listened to a lot of their music, mm-hmm. but, um, I guess the lead singer, Perry Farrell, I hear a lot of that in Sting's voice, voice and peanuts. But again, I could yeah. just be thinking like the, the hits, the biggest yeah. ones. Yeah, I would say so. No, but but Perry has a has a much higher vocal range than than Sting. I feel they're both Unless whiny and kind of. Yeah, but Sting has more yeah. like a almost has more of a rasp. Like Perry, Perry is just straight up high, just very high vocals. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, don't know. I know. I don't know a lot about it, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, no peanuts. Uh, what what I thought lyrically was interesting about this was that. Sting wrote this song about Rod Stewart being a big fan of Rod Stewart and meeting him and seeing like how he was just like a typical celebrity. He was just lived that lifestyle and he didn't like it. So he wrote a song kind of like this almost dissing Rod Stewart. And then if several years later, once the police had blown up, he's like, this song isn't about Rod Stewart anymore. <laughs> Cause it's like, <laughs> because he, be- because they became that person that he was bitching about <laughs> on this song. So I, I thought that was really, I thought it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. It's it's but. it's it's funny because hopefully, and then just going by the report card for the song, hopefully they had a sense of humor about it. And that's why he said it's not about Rod Stewart anymore because he knows that it's about them. Not because he was yeah. embarrassed that he wrote a song about Rod Stewart and he was shit talking him. I think it was probably the latter. I, I feel like they're not, I feel like Sting and all three of them are pretty, they kind of have like a, I feel like they have a very dry sense of humor, all of them, <laughs> especially Sting because he's British. But I feel like all three of them really do. But anyway, uh, I'm gonna play a little bit of uh, of Peanuts because this is my this is my BB. So here it is from the Police.
So I'm going to say this right now. Uh-oh. I love that guitar solo. It's fucking great. <laughs> but it's so jarring because you can hear where they, in the mix, where they, or they're in the, in, when they were splicing the tape, you could hear where they, they cut off that solo way too soon. Like they should have had him ring that, that last note out on that solo and it kind of go over everything else, but you could hear that little fucking cut in that tape. Like that part bugs (laughs) me so much because that, that solo is so good on this part's really cool too. with The sax, I think that's what it is, but no, dude, that, that just the end of that solo, like it could have been way cooler if they just let that last note ring out instead of, cutting it i don't know what the fuck they were thinking i have no idea what the fuck they were thinking i I don't know i mean to to defend it i guess it kind of plays into to summer's not like sloppy but kind of just almost sloppy way of playing to where it's he's kind of like i don't know he's he's like bonham dude he's just whatever the fuck he wants and the band's got to work around it because summer's gonna do what he wants bonham or page no bonham like bonham did whatever the fuck he wanted to do and the band had to work around it yeah, Summers is like Bonham in that he doesn't oh, okay, he I wants. see what you mean. Okay, okay, yeah. If you just okay. listen and stop talking for five seconds, no, of your no, life, but you I, understand I wasn't sure. Okay, you're still talking now. I don't understand why you think oh, you can just constantly. Idiot. We're still going. That's fine. I'm still going because he's fine. You're, you're also still going. That's fine, I'm still though. going. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I'm going to go on forever because everybody else speeds up and then he still does the same thing. <laughs> but it's cool. <laughs> it is. It's really cool. <laughs> Damn, dude, that's a fucking banger of a song. So good, and just like like we've been talking about Copeland's drumming, he just has these not necessarily like transitions in this song, but it's just his little parts that are just kind of unconventional for the time because they're very very fast paced. Like they're they're like jazz beats or they're jazz. It's jazz playing, but it's it's done in a very fast tempo style. So it's just it just sounds fucking wild. It just sounds so good, and I I, do, I couldn't believe like I can hear so many drummers I really love, and drummers that came out after the Police that takes so much from this guy. Like this guy is truly, dare I say it, he's he's almost as like almost as much of an inspiration as John Bonham is. Like he's. I feel like band like drummers take almost more from Copeland than they do as Bonham. The further than they do from Bonham, mm. I might I might say that. I, I mean might that's say a, that. that's another discussion that we could that we could have for hours. But because Bonham was just loud, you know, he wasn't like I mean he he could be technical, but he was just like loud and he had a groove and he had a, his style. But Copeland had that plus like extreme technical ability. No, bottom. So like, what what bottom had was like animalistic tendencies. He just did whatever what he I'm wanted. Saying. Copeland doesn't have saying. that. Copeland's Copeland's methodical. He's he's a I don't know. Like like to put him as a, as a villain. He's he's like Lex Luthor. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. Whereas whereas guess, bottom is like the Joker. He has no idea what he's doing. Maybe maybe this is pushing it, but maybe Copeland can be taken as he is he is more of a machine. He's more yeah. calculated. He he doesn't play with as much feel. Let's just say that. He doesn't play with as much feel as say Bonham or Ginger Baker or Keith Moon or people like that. 
but that's not a diss to Copeland because that's part of his style and that's what makes him so great. No, it's just different. He's so good. Would is would Copeland like bleed into your top five drummers? I don't. I top ten for sure. Top uh, ten for sure. But I don't know about top five. Could you? Like, could I, you ever? Could I love you ever my top do fives. it? I was gonna say. Could you ever think of adjusting any of your top fives? Because I have. Well, it's weird. Just since like we've done this, but I mean, like the the one the one drummer that really surprised me that really moved up so quickly was Jimmy Chamberlain from Smashing Pumpkins. Like he's almost on the point of breaking my top five, but I think. When it comes to my favorite drummers, it's just untouchable. Some of it, some of it comes to like comes down to <laughs> nostalgia too. Like Dave Grohl, I mean, yeah, technically speaking, he's not as good as Copeland or a lot of other drummers, but he he writes really good parts. He writes really good music. Dude, he leans drums. heavy into those fills too. Just I mean, <sighs> Damn, subtle man. fills. Yeah, like Dave Grohl, like he he can be like a machine, like Copeland. But he also has that loud playing and that that groove that Bonham has. Like Grohl has that; he's that in between. Like Josh Freeze is like so much like Copeland. It's crazy. I could not believe it. But Dave Grohl's like a like a hybrid between the two of Bonham and and Copeland. It's the, so I don't know. The difference I feel and like he's not even one of my favorite drummers. Like between Copeland and Bonham is is Copeland plays in like a jazz band. And they're really good. And everyone's like, damn, the drummer's really good. And then he gets off. And then Bottom like stumbles on stage really drunk and plays <laughs> yeah. the, drum, the drums. And everybody's like really pissed off at first. Like, why the fuck is this drunk idiot playing the drums? And like 15 minutes later, he's still playing and everyone's just mesmerized. <laughs> like, that's kind of like the difference good, between yeah. the two. Like, they're both that's fucking really good. good. Yeah. But just, just different. so different. Yeah. Yeah. What's well, even like when you throw in, like, if you kind of throw in like more modern drummers, if you throw in like Joey Jordison. Like he has a lot of jazz influence in his playing, but he plays metal music. Like his with his fast paced stuff, it's insane. Like, but he's—I mean, dude. Even listening to like, I mean, my brief period of listening with with Joey, even I think like, dude, this guy's too good to be in this band. Dude, he's fucking like phenomenal. He's, like these guys, these guys are like these guys are just holding him back. Like you kind of hear it. Like one of my least favorite Slipknot records is "All Hope Is Gone." And wait, is that? Yeah, yeah. And his playing is like, there's so much jazz influence in that, but he plays so fucking fast that you it's hard to pick up on it unless you listen to it like a quite a few times. Like his playing is just, his his playing like improved so much throughout their career before he was fired. It's so impressive, <laughs> dude. The guy. The guy is truly phenomenal. Like so, so like geez. like two things. One is we can never talk about Joey Jordan without you saying the words he was until he was fired from Slipknot. You say it every time. Yeah, but I think that's you just supporting your. Because he was which fired, is, which is chill. I like. It. I dig. It. I dig. Because well, it. it's so fucked. It's so fucked. <laughs> it's so it's, fucked. But it's just funny because like you're in that, so you're, mad. You're one of those people in the camps, right? Like of, of like support him no matter what at all times. And, like, you <laughs> yeah, always got to say it. You know, it's that's cool. And the same, say, yeah. kind of in the same vein of your consistency with always capitalizing, or if you can, backwards capitalizing your R's whenever you write out the word corn. Like, no matter oh, what, yeah, yeah. in any instance, it. you will capitalize it at the very least, the R. If you can, yeah, no, it has to then be. you'll you'll backwards, I don't know what the proper term for that is, but you'll backwards the R. Yes, correct. So that's fine. Absolutely. 
I've never put a lowercase r in the band name Corn. I never don't. I don't think that you have either. Honestly, I will never do it. I will. I like. It's even to the point on my phone for years where <laughs> I'll type in Corn and I don't even have to capitalize the r. It will automatically it do it. Auto corrects. It auto corrects the Corn with a capital R. Oh, that's. I so swear terrible. to you. I swear to you. I, dude, I believe you because honestly, I don't think that I've ever seen you text Corn without a capitalized R. At least yeah. it doesn't even make any sense because it's 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 not just capitalizing the name. It's it's backwards. You don't backwards. Yeah, I don't know. You don't have to capitalize it, but whatever. Damn, dude, what a good band that is too. What's your what, what's your what's your two B? Let's get away from. Oh from, my two no uh my my two B was uh so lonely. Ah, so, so lonely. Yeah. So okay. what was your? You haven't said your three B, right? I haven't said my two B. My three B was what Roxanne. Was I haven't seen my 2B yet. My 2B is Be My Girl. Really? Dude, I just... Okay. Like, when you listen to music, above all, man, music is is meant to to just be enjoyed. It's supposed to be fun. It's it's supposed to be... Maybe not necessarily fun, but it's supposed to be something that that puts you in a mood, regardless of the mood, but it should just put you in a mood. A bonus is that you stop the album or stop the song that you're playing, and an hour later, you can remember what you heard. And be mm-hmm. be my girl is like the exact, like it fits all of those descriptions. It is a an insanely catchy verse that they just kind of build a song around. And what's what's kind of cool about this one is is the first time I heard the spoken word part, I just I, I was like, whatever, is this this is cool spoken word stuff. Didn't pay much attention to it. Thought it was like a love song. I said that's fine. And then I listened to it again while reading the lyrics. I was like, wait a second. This is like a joke, dude. This is them talking about a blow-up <laughs> sex doll. What? And so the first Be My Girl part, when they're just saying, once you be my girl, it's kind of like cute. Like, oh, this is a cute love song. And then he talks about not wanting to date, but still wanting some companionship. And then the last Be My Girl kind of becomes awkward and weird. It, and so it like within the song itself, <laughs> it changes moods. But the first part and the last part are exactly the same. But because of their yeah. sequencing, they mean something totally different. It's a weird ass song. <laughs> I, it's, and much like you, I, I didn't, I, the spoken word, I didn't really pay much attention to until I read it, and then I realized, wow, this is really fucking weird. But it's also very f- funny, like, <laughs> like in nineteen seventy eight, nineteen seventy eight, they're talking about a blow up sex doll. I know. It's... Who the fuck talks about that? <laughs> It's so, and for for a band who's seems as serious as they are, it's even weirder. I don't, I don't know. It, it's great. I thought it was really great too. And then throughout the entire spoken word part, there's there's like random instrumentation going off, like little piano hits here and there, and mm-hmm. really really tight chords that are being strung. And it's just it's stupid. This is a stupid song, but it's so yeah. fun. And damn. That be my girl verse or chorus or whatever it is, it's so fucking catchy. It is. It's it's one of the catchiest parts on the record, and I think that that's kind of what gives the song its charm too. Is that it has literally the catchiest hook on the record, <laughs> and yet it's the most ridiculous song on the record. And then I think if I'm if I may be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure the spoken word part is done by Andy Summers. I think so. He too. is the guy that's speaking. So. <sighs> Should we just play Won't You Be My Girl? Yeah, at least play for the for the for the hook. Yeah, the hook and then we'll we'll get part way through the the spoken word part. So here's uh Be My Girl 
Sally from the police. too much to drink there was somehow something wrong somewhere and each day seemed gray and dead the seeds of desperation were growing in me head i needed inspiration a brand new start in life somewhere to place affection but i didn't want a wife and then by lucky chance i saw in a special magazine an ad that was unusual the like i'd never seen Experience something different with our new imported toy. She's loving, warm, inflatable, and a guarantee of joy. She came all wrapped in cardboard, all pink and shriveled down. A breath of air was all she needed to make her lose that frown. I took her to the bedroom and pumped her with some life. And later, in a moment, that girl became my wife. So fucking weird. It's so weird, and like that that weird avant garde kind of like piano style playing. It's that's for sure. Andy Summers on the piano, and it would probably make more sense too if it was also him doing the spoken word. So <laughs> yeah, playing definitely. playing like off of himself type of thing. Fuck! What a weird song, man. It's so weird. <laughs> I also it does like say, quoting it that does song say that too, he, like in that he does play piano in it. But yeah, there you go. Wait, what were you saying? I like I like singing along with with like that really shitty British accent that I like to do. Oh, won't you be my girl? That part? No, the spoken word part. When oh, was, the spoken word part. Yeah, when he's getting real into it. When you when the you talk, are, are, accent. Are you sure? Are you sure you're you're actually speaking with a British accent, or are you speaking with Australian? No, it's because we did have this issue before. We did, we did, but I've I've refined it. I've actually spoken to. Um, the likes of people like Tony Blair. I was speaking, speaking, <laughs> Jesus. I was speaking. I can't even speak it anymore. You can't wow. even speak it anymore. I don't know why the fuck I even said Tony Blair. I don't know. That's fine. Ah. It's fine. Ah, so, so you've been speaking in the Queen's English, as uh, as Chris Ooh, would say. Yo, you almost did it there, didn't you? I almost, I almost said that with an accent, but it's I, hard not to say Queen's English without. It is, you know. <laughs> At this point, <laughs> or it's like you—you you automatically want to hear that accent when somebody says it, <laughs> so you kind of think that they say it that way. Anyway, what? Jesus Christ, what are we talking about? I don't know. We're let's um, be my girl, be my girl, Sally. Yeah, okay, be my girl. Do we have anything else to say about this one? Nah. Should we move on from this one. Okay, move on. So that was your two B. So I got my—I did my three, my two, three. Did I do my two B? Yeah. Is, yeah. Your, is your two B so lonely? Right. So lonely is my two B. My three B is fucking what was it oh oh no i didn't do my 3b my 4b was roxanne 
But my my three B was uh, can't stand losing you. Mm. This is another one that I realized like oh I've heard the song a thousand times, but I never really realized it was the police. I kind of thought it was either Sting or just another band. I, I don't know. I didn't mm-hmm. associate that together. But where does this stand for you? This is my five B. Your five B. Okay. Yeah. This is um dude. This one starts off as just a legit reggae song and. And to throw a different melody into a verse, like mid-verse, but still also have a cool melodic chorus, like that's that's skills. Those are skills that kills. And that's what really yeah. stands out from this song. There's so many crazy things like about this song. So one being that they the the song itself, like it's another one of those things where they they start off slow, they speed up, they bring it back. Like it's it's just like so all over the place. In that sense, and then we got the lyrics involved, which I think are like the darkest lyrics on this record. And we got the cover art that affected them as well. Like this, like everything about this, this song. <laughs> oh, and we didn't even mention uh, the song Roxanne. Wait, was it Roxanne? No, wait, what song? Yeah, it was Roxanne. When before they were, it was like right after they got signed, they said that they were banned by the BBC because of what the song was about. Yeah. But in but in actuality, Roxanne only like peaked at like seven like seventy one or seventy or something like that on the on the boards. So they came up with a story to tell the press that they were actually banned because of the content, the lyrical content. But that wasn't the case at all. So I thought that was interesting. But then they were also like criticized because the cover art, I think it was for Can't Stand Losing You was one where Stuart Copeland was, was wearing harsh. a noose. He was wearing a noose and he was standing on a block of ice with the noose on. And that's, that's intense, man. That's yeah, that's that's heavy. It's real heavy stuff. Yeah, that's that's um that is heavy. And this is a, this is a super dark song and and there's a lot of there's a lot of things to kind of unpack here. And yeah. I, I think like my favorite part of this is like the darkest lyric, the dark, dark, dark. The darkest Perfect. lyric has like one of the catchiest little hooks to it. Like I said, we're mid verse. They'll throw in that that last part of the verse where it's it changes up a little bit and it's very catchy. Mm-hmm. And I and to throw that with like the the I, I guess you call it suicide, but I'm too full to swallow my pride. But to change change that verse and to throw like a melodic part onto it to make it a little bit poppier and make it a little bit more fun, super mm-hmm. fucked up. Damn. Good. It's <laughs> so good. This is this is probably the for me I think it's like the deepest most since I don't want to say sincere but like vulnerable parts of this entire record are the lyrics to this song. That's a good that's a good word to use. I've used that word a lot and and Sting writes from a perspective of vulnerability. Yeah. And it's But solid. see like he but then he could do like the complete opposite really well too. You know, like very surface level, not really meaning anything. But then you have a song like this, and it's just like the polar opposite of that. Ah, oh, man. It's great. It's great stuff. It's good stuff. I, so I'm going to play a little bit of a Can't Stand Losing You from The Police because, honestly, why the hell not? There we go. The Police.
There you go. Can't stand losing you from the police. I love that that breakdown, that bridge right there. It reminds me so much of like earlier Incubus. I, I think it was like the guitar, the guitar effects that he uses, and just like they completely slow it down to like nothing. That's so good. What a what a great fucking song. That's a banger. And for such an upbeat sounding song, and the lyrics being so dark, it's really good though. I love it. Do I love you, it. Do you love it? I do love it. So, what else do we got? We, do I mean, we have um, another banger? I mean, I, we, we've we've done almost every song. I'm looking right now. We've done we've done everything but "Hole in My Life." Uh, my Truth hits everybody. That's my seven and banger. The last song. Masoko, Masoko Tonga? Ta- Tanga. Tonga, yeah. That's my eighth banger. <laughs> <laughs> eight bangers, huh? You're like me. You're like me. Mm-hmm. That's my 45th banger. <laughs> well, let me, <laughs> let me just see, like, if there's anything else I want to touch over, and then I guess yeah, we, we can good. call it. Oh, so the whole, whole of my life, this was, mm-hmm. this was kind of funny. The very beginning of this song reminded me of Timberwolves in New Jersey. Like the very mm-hmm. beginning, did the first like couple seconds. Den it, den it, den it. That was kind of funny. I listened to it like fucking five times, just kept p- picking the needle up, putting it down, laughing. Um, okay. Let's see here. But see, Hole in My Life is another one. It, see, this is like the, the sequencing thing that I was talking about. Like, maybe not the sequencing, but it, the Hole in My Life is another one of those songs that's just like wildly depressing. Like it's where he he kind of shows that he's desperate, man. He's lonely he, yeah. and desperate. The, like the, the whole of my life is is like to me, it's directly connected with "Can't Stand Losing You." I guess not sequencing wise, it works, but but lyrically, those two songs go hand in hand. This one's cool because it kind of progresses from from I don't want to say like just being sad, but like just being sad to kind of alluding to. To maybe like actual physical pain, either self-inflicted or, or otherwise, and mm-hmm. and like the God help me, please is like I don't know. It's always like a last ditch effort when people people who don't talk about God and mm-hmm. they say things like God help me or help me God things like that. Like that old saying of there are no atheists in foxholes. Like people's last thought before they think they're going to die is always praying to some higher power, and so yeah. that's. That's what kind of makes this song a little bit, a little more, more, more messed up for me is, is, I don't know, bringing the God thing in there is always a, it's like, why is he talking about God? That's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Especially when they don't normally talk about it, like you said. I don't think they ever had after this. I, I, I think about I, it. At least not on this record. I mean, you listen to all their records, but that's fine. Yeah, but I didn't like yeah, dive you, into you, the lyrics. You, you didn't anything. listen to them. You're right. Correct. <laughs> but it is funny. Like you, you go for, okay, so like. Hole in My Life, I guess the sequencing does matter a little bit, but like Hole in My Life, a wildly depressing song lyrically. And then you have Peanuts, which is such a, a song, like a, not just like a kind of dumb song lyrically. And then you go into Can't Stand Losing You, another wildly depressive song. I wonder if it was intentional where they, they inserted a song in between the two most depressing songs on the record to to make it seem like it's, like they don't want to make it seem like so much of a downer. I wonder if that was intentional. I mean, it had to be because even though Roxanne isn't like a depressing song, it it definitely can lead you to that fast. If you put yeah. a depressing song after Roxanne, it would make sense. 
if you put a more upbeat song after Roxanne, it would make sense. Roxanne is a, is a perfect song, and it's a perfect transition song. So putting Peanuts there, I mean, this could have been like three, four, and five. The three, four, and five tracks are all depressing. Yeah. Because Roxanne could, like, it's a flipper, you know? If you put a depressing song after Roxanne and before, Roxanne is now a depressing song. If you put That's a good true. one before and after, Roxanne is now a happy song. So maybe the sequencing is perfect. I don't know. I don't know. But then it's weird too. Like if you look at the the vinyl, so Peanuts is the last song on side A and then Can't Stand Losing You is the first song on side B. It's weird. I don't know. It's 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 just it's weird sequencing, but I guess it works. It did work. It worked. It worked. It Trust worked. me, it worked. It I know. Worked. I know. I know. All right. Yeah, that's all I got. So one, got? one one more thing, not even about music, but about this album that I, w- I would like to touch upon is 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 just the the artwork, the photography. Her name is was Jeanette Beckman. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've never heard of her because photography is not something that interests me in any capacity. Yeah. But she was kind of interesting. She she photographed a lot of punk bands from this era, especially from like the the England era of punk bands. But then yeah, she also punk started. She also kind of went over to like America and was there for like the beginnings of hip hop. Like one of her cool stories was how she got to photograph like an early run DMC, but she was also there to photograph like public enemy and a a lot of early hip hop bands. So Hmm. it's fucking bizarre and it's weird how she got that gig, but also was there for like everything, the beginnings of, I don't know. It's just, that's cool. She just like, she had this, like this in this, like, instinct almost like she knew what was gonna happen next like what was gonna explode what was like she heard she heard rumblings of stuff so she just kind of went i don't know it's weird that is very strange if she had that intuition then that is intuition was the right word yeah that's like ar- arguably like the, the the greatest sixth sense of all time because to 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 cross over dozens of miles from <laughs> wherever the fuck the police are from and then go over to, to like the East Coast era area and then photograph these up and coming hip hop artists. That's fucking weird. Cool. Especially considering, too, you know, the difference between hip hop and band like the police or punk rock music in general, it's, it's, it's like a race thing, too, you know? It's just. That was like part know. of her. her one of her stories that I read was when she was first photographing Run DMC and they told her to meet at some some borough in, in New York where she knew like white people generally probably don't go to this era area. And yeah. she's taking like the subway and she's you know, she's 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 on her game, she's alert and she gets off and, and they give her like a jacket, like a like a like a fucking def jam jacket or something that she claims that she still wears to this day. But then she meets the guys and they're super nice and like she had a blast and it was super fun and then just took the subway back to her hotel. <laughs> That's crazy. Like what a different time. I know. Like, fuck, man. So cool. Like just seeing all this this music just kind of blossom and explode. Fuck. Dude, man. you just can't you can't keep up with it. Right? And like I don't it know. never stops. There's so many like, different genres that pop up, and like even in the '60s, we talked about on the other on the other half of this pod, like surf rock, right? Let's say you're you're like following the rock and roll scene into like the '60s, and you're getting into a little bit of like the psychedelic phase, and then this surf rock thing pops up, so you rush over here, 
But by the time you even get over to the West Coast, like the Beach Boys are kind of done with it already, and they're moving into more of the the Sergeant Pepper and Pet Boys, Pet, pet Sounds, <laughs> Pet Boys, <laughs> Pet Boys sound. And so you're always like a step behind, unless you're unless you're like there, you're like you're chasing, you're you're you're, you're storm chasers. Can you imagine if like you were you were a person that like really oh dude you know what'd be so cool is like if we were able to get a time machine and like start with like chuck berry and like watch his early gigs little richard his early gigs watch all that move on to the beatles move on to hendrix santana all that stuff move on to pink floyd sabbath like you get to see like all their shit like knowing when stuff starts and kind of follow it throughout the the decades did that be kind of a I don't know if that'd be a good movie. Well, that would be, I mean, we could talk about it after, but that would be a cool pod. would go back in history and see five performances or whatever, but pin that because I want to talk about that. But top five, baby. One scene that kind of rings more fun to me now that I don't know, like in my later years of life and liking music more and appreciating more is that scene in, in back to the future, which everybody knows and and Marty's playing the Chuck Berry song and, and he holds up the yeah. phone and says like listen to this and he does that like <laughs> yeah. that's always funny like, hoo, 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 because he wrote that song hoo, hoo, hoo. but it's but it's more than that right like i don't know just like dissecting that one little fucking 5 second part like that kid had enough foresight to think like dude mm-hmm. this sound is really cool and i know my i think he's his cousin he says my cousin yeah. would love to play something like this because he kind of already does. He's already dabbling in it, so yeah. I want him to hear this. And I don't know, man. Like that that scene just rings so much better to me now. Doesn't he say something like, "Oh, this is the sound you were looking for"? Yeah. And then he puts the phone up. Yeah. Like like he's been like dabbling that. with it. You know, like he's been like like yeah. I don't know, trying to figure out what sound it is, trying to get away from like the piano rock and get more into straightforward guitar driven rock and roll. Like, oh my god, dude, it's it's such a it's such a glossed over iconic scene. Damn, it's so good. So, or at least that part of the scene is glossed over. Yeah, that scene's not, but that part of that scene is. Because the scene's overshadowed by how fucking cool that Michael J. Fox performance <laughs> yeah, it's, is. It's really cool. <laughs> so rad. And then he's like, "Your kids are gonna love this, dude." Like, fuck like that. that movie. The movie has no right to be that good. It's so good. The second one's really good too. The third one's I. I'm gonna watch the first one tonight. So good. Anyway, fucking yeah. the police, man. Let's, Let, yeah, let's get back that's, to this. That's all Do we want to? Yeah. Okay, so let's um, let's give our final thoughts. Wrap it up. Give our ratings with our three point or patented. Fuck, I can't Whoa, even say fucking go. word. Paternal parent. Paternal parent uh, rating system of three is a perfect album. Two is a good album. You're gonna continue to listen to. Possibly recommend to others. One is a bad album, but you should give at, least, at least give it a shot. And Zero is an album that should have never been made. Every copy should be burned, never to be listened to again. So, go, Jeff. What are your final thoughts and rating? Mm, final thoughts are, I'm a little upset that it took me this long to really get into the police. There's a lot of stuff here that I like in my in my current music to where it just, it just, it just, it just doesn't make sense. But yeah. I, I, I understand it because, again... I mean, both of us, like nobody in our household listened to the police. It was just a band that I don't know, I didn't grow up on. So yeah. when would I have been introduced to them? So I don't blame myself. Very I true. blame, I blame, I blame society. 
blame everybody else. But I blame everybody else but myself. Exactly. That's the way to go. That's um, the world we live in. But damn, dude, this week has been phenomenal. I've I have thoroughly enjoyed my time listening to the police and for sure their first two albums. Once I get their second album on vinyls, their first two will be on heavy rotation. And um I don't know, man. This I mean, this isn't a perfect album. There's a couple okay songs, but this is damn close. This is like this is a two point eight five. Two point five or two point eight five? Two point eight five. You're you're really you're really messing around with our, our, our rating system, but that's okay. No I, restrictions, <laughs> right? It's not no perfect. There are a couple songs that are okay. There are there are a couple parts that I think could have been done a little bit better. But But you can just give it a two point eight. You had to give it a two point eight five. No, because it's better than a two point eight. But it's not, but it's quite, not quite as good as a 2.9. No, because a 2.9 is like, there's one thing I don't like. That would be like a 2.9. Okay. But there's a couple okay. things I don't like. All right. All right. Fair enough. 2.85. That's crazy. All right. Well, my final thought is, much like you, didn't grow up on it. Didn't really know much about it besides a few members and some of their other projects up until this week. And um, the first two albums, I think, are so good. And after that, it's it's kind of hit or miss. But yeah, the first two albums absolutely amazing. I think Stuart Copeland is he deserves every bit of credit, if not more, than what he already has. Dude, the, the guy is an absolutely phenomenal drummer. Sting is an, is a great bass player too. The, like I said, the rhythm section is what made it for me. It's it, the rhythm section is perfect, absolutely perfect. The vocals are my least favorite part of it, but that's okay. Everything else makes up for it. So I'm going to have to give this album a uh, 2.5. Solid 2.5. Okay. It's a little low, but all right. That's, that's I mean, it's fine. her second best album. Second best album. That's okay. the way she goes. That's the way she goes, the I way guess. the way she goes. So yeah. So we, I mean, honestly, I I didn't think I'd give, give this album or this band this much, this much credit, but there you go. <laughs> so we're... I, we already know what we're doing next week, but we're not going to talk about it right now on the pod. But thank you all for listening to Asinine Radio, the greatest podcast ever made. Mm. Go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. And once again, that's it. That's all. But this this album also has "Who Do You Love" on on it. Who do you love? You know that song. Who no. do you love? <laughs> Bo Diddley cover. And oh, you're missing out. It's a good movie. Good dancing too. Solid dancing. I'm not much of a dancing man, but yeah, that's we'll fine see. though. I love dancing. <laughs> um, I was listening to Pinocchio soundtrack. You don't even like Pinocchio. Good, you don't even like I Disney. I love Pinocchio. Have you never even seen Pinocchio? Oh, get the fuck out of here. The fuckery. Have you ever seen Pinocchio? Do you know what the main character's name is? Times. No, Geppetto. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably Jimmy Jillikers, you probably think is a cricket's name, too. <laughs> Jimmy Jillikers. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to throw it out there. I Perfect? Perfect police song. A, a PPS is a perfect police song. <laughs> I'll do Pig Latin next. Oh. I of lay Ig Latin pay. Unlike the Wikipedia entry, it says that Sting plays the butt piano. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is a butt piano? That's something I never heard of.
So, I mean, there's so many different kinds of fucking pianos. It could have been anything. Yeah. So I clicked on it, and then it just went to, like, some random, like, piano link. I was like, what the hell? And then I'm, I'm, I'm like, Googling butt piano, right? <laughs> <laughs> and if you, if you Google butt piano, like, it's, it's what you think. It's people, like, sitting on piano keys. <laughs> so I'm, like, racking my brain trying to figure out what the fuck a butt piano is. <laughs> so finally I came across the story of, of what happened. And I listened to the song yeah. again, and he laughs. I'm like, oh, um, the likes of people like Tony Blair. I was speaking, speaking, <laughs> Jesus. I'm speaking. I can't even speak it anymore. <laughs> can't wow. even speak it anymore. But by the time you even get over to the West Coast, like the Beach Boys are kind of done with it already, and they're moving into more of the the Sergeant Pepper and Pet Boys, Pet, pet Sounds, <laughs> Pet Boys, <laughs> Pet Boys sound. And so you're always like a step behind, unless you're unless you're like there. 